Hello, welcome to the Future Proof podcast from the north of England with Sarah Hall and Stephen Waddington. We'll be talking about what's hot and what's not on the internet in marketing, the media and public relations. Hello, Sarah. Afternoon, Stephen. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. What are we going to talk about? We've got loads to talk about. You've got a very full agenda, so we're going to kick off with fake news and what it means for PR. Uh, The general election in the UK some nonsense that's been going on on Twitter Um, and we went to the Croatian PR Association conference not long ago we'll talk about the highlights from that shall we we had the bus a bus person's holiday Uh, (laughs) uh, and then you're a bit knocked about students no I'm not is this projection (laughs) (laughs) you've been whining on about them not me professor Um, we're going to give you some tips for engaging with uh, practitioners if you're a student doing your dissertation and looking for help with research um, okay let's start with fake news so I, I, this just I'm a bit bored with this uh, in that every ill within the media and PR industry seems to be blamed on fake news so it's, it's you know it's everything from blatant lies to bullshit to journalism to people touting opinion as fact propaganda to smear to speculation spin it's like every any ethical issue within journalism or public relations is given the tag fake news and uh, yeah, dismissed it's a, it's a difficult one so there's always been a whole heap of rubbish out on the internet and we've just kind of lived with it oh, but in the tabloid press as well right well yeah but i think it's slightly different it we could do with a different term when it comes down to um fake news that's actually been uh, put out there by like for example political parties so, you know propaganda and all that nonsense well we've got the term haven't we it is right. called propaganda yeah so it'd be great if we could go back to using that maybe yeah so we're seeing public relations practitioners get puff the chest out and and you know take ethical stances and say you know um, an ethical public relations practitioner would never engage in in fake news. But then you've also got the the critics of the public relations industry who say you know, we're responsible for generating for a lot creating of fake news. most of it. Yeah. Um, um, so <laughs> you know. Uh, I, I was d- d- talking to a colleague about this. You know, if, if two political organisations are taking opposing views on the same issue, um, you know, those views are going to be polarised. Um, you know, the, the the two opposing factions might call each other fake news. Equally, two co- two organisations which in is a, Trump's modus operandi, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Anything he doesn't like is fake news. Uh, and then I guess in the corporate environment, in an M and A, you know, in an M and A merger and acquisition situation, in a takeover, you know, um, organisations are communicating very firmly uh, positions that you know others might take as uh, unacceptable. It's just nuts, right? Because it's always been two different realities, if not more, as a PR practitioner. So. No, working in an agency, I have to represent my organisation's views, but also work to the media agenda. And it's about what is right and honest and appropriate, and and what are the stakeholders that we're serving need to hear. Is that is that surely not the basis of everything anyway? Yes, I think there's also I think the reason it's come to the fore is the speed with which information is communicated around the internet. Uh, number one, number two, um, the the social um, 
endorsement that um, a piece of content gets when, for example, you share it with your network, or I share it with my my network. You know, if you share something, uh, actually, I don't tend to take it seriously. No, I do. I do. I, you give it a level of gravitas, and you say, "Okay, Sarah shared this. It's important. I'm going to read it." Um, I just threw you some real shade there. Like, <laughs> what, I sh- what I share is excellent. Is there, recently, there's a really good piece on how swearing makes you much more creative. I'm a case in point. <laughs> is that right? Worth a read. Yeah, ethics is an issue, but ethics isn't isn't the only issue. I think journalism and public relations has to be ethics. I think people, human we have beings, code of consumers, consumers of media need to, you know, um, uh, scrutinise sources a little bit better. But that's part of our job anyway. So as practitioners, you know, we do that and we cite all our, or we should be citing yeah. all our references and where the information has come from. Yeah. So for us, I don't see much change to the no. daily job. You're really bored by this, aren't you? <laughs> I'm like, can we move on to the next topic? Okay. So we're final it's so fake news. Technology has a part to play, doesn't it? In that, uh, you know, the media that are spreading much of this fake news are social forms and media like Twitter and Facebook and Google. Who have just created another army of people to help. Well, yeah. Not, yeah, they have. Facebook has. Facebook's taking this seriously. Google's taking it seriously with user reporting and editors and such like. Twitter's not, though. Twitter's saying the community will correct it. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. well we all know where Twitter's going and that's down the plug hole. Um, you're speaking. At, you're speaking in Westminster about this, though. Yeah. So you need to get. <laughs> you need to gen up on this. No, we do. Yeah, we need to talk about scope, public trust, and options for policy. So when's this? This is. How the, the hell did you land this? <laughs> you write a little blog post. You know, people read it. Right. Actually, give it some. You know, gravitas because someone in my network shared it. <laughs> <laughs> All that jazz. Oh. No, seriously, it's a really important one. I'm, I'm on a panel session and. Um, we're talking about um, actually what the implications is for brand management. Okay, when is it? 13th of July. The 13th of July? Yeah. At the house of? Uh, I have to look up the address, but yeah, somewhere posh. Okay. I'll be wearing a suit. <laughs> Sarah speaking in the Palace of Westminster, 13th of July. We'll include it in the show notes. All right, let's move on. General election. You've been asked to stand as an MP. Daily. Daily. People want my honest brand of truth out there. Yeah. Appealing to the emotions. And quite frankly, I do think I could do a better job than Diane Abbott, even though I can't add two, two plus two and make four either. <laughs> I mean, who... <laughs> you just did. You just did. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, well, I was tested earlier. <laughs> so we, Theresa May, announced the general election, uh, claiming she wants a greater mandate for, to negotiate Brexit. Um, she wants to strengthen her hand. Strengthen her hand, quote. Um, she wants she, she's been called strong out. and stable leadership. She's been called out um, for as being opportunism, taking advantage of, of the weak uh, She basically opposition. just wants, yeah, well, there's not just that, though. There's an expenses inquiry going on, and she wants to bypass that, doesn't she? Allegedly. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. That's what I read in the paper, unless it was fake news. <laughs> You don't know where to go now. I do don't you? know where to <laughs> yes. go with that. No, no, you've taken the wind from my sails. Um, there's a lot of people in my network frustrated after Brexit, even more frustrated after the Trump election, wondering what they can possibly do to help tackle, uh, help be part of this uh, forthcoming election, help campaign. I mean, we haven't got time. We've got 30 days yeah. now. So, out the goodness of your heart, 
not thinking about your blog reach and you know viewing numbers you decided to write a blog on this I wrote a blog you? about how yeah. to be an activist and what you can do as a communicator yeah which went played out really well because I think there is a you know there's an appetite isn't there that people want to you want to well, do something beyond collectivism that, well this is the thing people are just just don't know what to do to make a difference and where to even start and there isn't really anything out there that helps you do that so I joined the Labour Party last year and they did send a here's what's going on in your local area and how you can get involved but quite frankly I've got better things to do than post leaflets through doors that no one's going to read because this is 2017 right um, so um, that wasn't going to work for me, but you did have some helpful. Top so what tips. are you going to do? Well, I have, rung the, I have rung the Commons team and dropped them a little note. At the Labour Party or the Conservative Party? <laughs> what do you think? I am not a Tory, um, but I would like to help Labour have a little bit more cut through with its messaging. Right. Okay. There's a guy, uh, a, a political strategist um, who works in digital, an Excel graphic guy called Rob Blackie who's written a really really good um, blog post about how as an activist you if you want to make a difference during the general election where best to apply your expertise uh, in terms of targeting in terms of helping seats that are marginal uh, where you you know uh, a swing of, of a few thousand votes can make a real difference. Do you not find it fascinating though? From what I can see, there seems to be a complete lack of influencer relations. In terms of? Well, well I'll just look at the Labour Party comms that I've got. They go direct for an email, they rely on their membership. I'm sick of, can you please sponsor us emails from them. They can right. find their own donations elsewhere, thank you very much. But, um, you know, they don't seem to, I know I look round, this is supposed to be a Labour heartland. I don't see very many people other than the MPs themselves going out and advocating for Labour. Right, you should. We should explain we're sat in uh, North Tyneside, aren't we? So, yeah, thankfully, seat. my Labour MP and elected mayor has come back good, not so elsewhere. Okay, uh, there's a lot you can do though, at ending on a more on ending on a Tell me, Stephen. if you're motivated to, mm -hmm. to help any of the campaigns. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> your help is falling on deaf ears at the moment as the Labour Party, or your offer of help. But maybe that will change. <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah, they maybe. know. Maybe they know something we don't. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on. Twitter misinformation. So two things have happened in the last since we we last spoke on this podcast. There was the uh, announcement um, that was due from Downing Street by Theresa, Theresa May of the election. Uh, well, what, what we now transpire to, to be the election. And then yesterday, um, there was a big, a uh, lot of excitement when I got up uh, first thing in the morning on Twitter about an announcement coming from Buckingham Palace, huge speculation about, you know, a death in the royal family or uh, a possible engagement. Um, uh, and all that had happened is the royal household had been called to a staff meeting, which happens about once a year. Yeah. So massive, massive. Both instances created massive speculation. The the Theresa May event uh, in Downing Street, the speculation over again the death in the royal family, something around Brexit. Um, People are so like. What I find fascinating about that though, all my feeds were full of people going, "Oh, what now?" Because people are so down and so anxious that actually news like that is really causing upset that's what i find really really sad at the moment that people are just 
absolutely they've been caned by all the different things that have happened in the past two years and stuff like that is causing genuine stress um, mm. amongst members of the public and you can right. see it I, f- I find it absolutely fascinating but it's the same I sat there yesterday thinking what on earth is it about are they changing their toilet roll brand what, what's the crack I don't know come on but they did say they were caused to a staff meeting uh, people misconstrued that as a formal announcement right but I don't know how that leaked was it, was it leaked or was it a uh, I, I don't know how it got out there. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean the the, the, the there was me- nothing on the Twitter feed, and actually, given the Jew, the royal family are absolutely brilliant in terms of communicating directly. There's nothing on the Buckingham Palace Twitter feed, the royal mm. family Twitter feed. No, no, but the media it must have come from uh, someone within the royal household, because then it was. Yeah, BBC didn't report it though, because I sat there like a mug with my piece of toast and a coffee at eight o'clock. And come on, come on, Steph, tell me all about it. Right. BBC, not ITV. Quality journalism. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> what can you do? Like, the, the, there's, there is a... We don't rate wait to verify anymore. No one's got any patience. We're all on the edge of our seats. It's going to implode, isn't it? As you say. There's well, we're broken ang- Britain. Anxiety broken is so Britain, high. Broken Britain, right here. Right. <laughs> You're going to write a blog post about how we can chip our moods up. <laughs> Let's all do a little bit of yoga and feel a bit more zen. Is that the answer? Shoes off. <laughs> Downward dog. <laughs> we could do that for a podcast. That would be great. We'll just talk yoga through a whole yoga. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, all right. Also available on YouTube. Croatian PR Association conference. That was ace. Yeah, it's great. Really good event. time. Lots yeah. of meat. There's a lot of salami. There was a lot of um, pork scratchings. Which yeah. I was a bit We should explain. There's a um, traditional dish in Croatia, which is a variety of cuts of, of uh, preserved meat um, that's served at any celebratory dinner, isn't well, it? That's served for breakfast. We, it's served for lunch to, like, mid-morning snack. It's served at lunchtime. It's served for mid-afternoon snack. It and then rather it's served as an aperitif and then served at dinner, <laughs> as far as I could <laughs> ascertain. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. So we enjoyed that. Two couple of highlights from from, from that event. Um, Craig Spence. Yeah, he was absolutely was super. Brilliant, wasn't it? Comms yeah. director for the um, Paralympics Association. Talked about his uh, his experiences of managing Rio and all the things that they had to manage. Is that you can't possibly ever prepare for. No. Um, as a, as no matter what you do, doesn't no. matter what your scenario planning is. There's always going to be something. So, for example, banning the Russians from the event was one of the big yeah, ones. Yeah, because of the drug doping. Uh, who else was there? There was a few things, wasn't there? There was uh, a death of an athlete, unfortunately. Yeah, Iranian cyclist on the last day. Yeah, and then oh, president. funding funding issues around whether the games would actually be held. And wasn't this to do with the president? There was something else. No, it was those three. Uh, Yeah. So anyway, it was absolutely fantastic talk. Talked about um, all the planning, how how many months uh, it goes into that. Talk about how they have a very small core team and actually how they harness volunteers and bring them through the ranks as well, which I thought was fascinating, especially with the CIPR hat on. You know, when you're dealing with a large number of volunteers, how they make that happen and how they reward them, I was yeah. fascinated by. So they have a hundred, around 100 people around the world uh, reporting as citizen journalists into a newsroom, which is hosted on their website. That content's then pushed out. They also have, you know, their own staff of photographers, journalists, videographers reporting from events. They're a massive news operation. And they talked about, obviously, you know, obviously 24 
around the clock reporting and how important it is for their because they are it's not for profit isn't it so the fact they have very limited budgets how reliant they are on partners and sponsors mm -hmm. and how fantastically well those uh, partnerships work um, because they're very reliant on each other but when they get the content right you yeah. know it far surpasses anything they could ever hope for in terms of reach and engagement yeah. so so um it talked a lot about the Channel 4 Superhumans campaign, which I think in the UK, um, that kicked off around the London Olympics, didn't it, in 2012. But um, that completely reframed attitudes, I think, to the Paralympic movement. Um, so. Well, yeah, because it just, you know, a lot of people don't like the word disabled mm. um, because they see it as having negative connotations. And actually, these are people who have actually, you know, overcome... Um, you know issues that they might have with, uh, physically to, to do more than any of us could possibly ever dream to uh, on on the, one of our best performing days. Yeah. Um, so I, I did love that campaign. I thought it was superb and recognised the exceptional abilities of the people involved. Yeah. So you got into a bit of an argument. At Which one? Conference. When? <laughs> <laughs> there was a theme throughout the conference, wasn't there, about uh, the differences between public relations as a means of engagement and public relations producing content that's pushed out to publics through channels. Yeah, so it was really interesting. So I did my big piece on um, PR as a management discipline and talked about uh, the higher value we can add if we're working at the top of our game and we're not just so tactically focused. And it was interesting because um, I'll not name the organization that I've been at before, but they've been talking about, you know, how our job is very much content creation. Mm. Uh, and, you know, how wasn't this great? This was a move away from media relations and people were finally recognizing what we could deliver. And basically that blew steam out my ears a little bit because it was a bit like, for God's sake, you know, it's, it's part of the theme I gave at PR Fest last, last year in terms of we just caught on to these things that give us a new title for the work, the tactical work we're doing. And we need to move completely away from that and look at our, you know, business and consultancy and management skills. Say it every single podcast, people will be repeating it <laughs> at home thinking, for God's sake, get a new rhyme <laughs> or make a rhyme. <laughs> Do some yoga. Let's talk about students. We're in dissertation season uh, mm. for anyone that's doing uh, masters or bachelors in, in the UK. Um, I think there's a rule here, isn't there? Most practitioners are happy to help, but please, please, please do your homework and get the pitch right. And we're not here just to sit around to answer questions that haven't been well thought out or that repeat stuff that have been done before or that we can't add value to because actually we generally want to help, but you know, you've got to think about it and think about the time scale so you know the number of times I've had an email which says can you fill out this survey or can I interview you and I need to do it next Monday please mm. you know I guess it just it shows a total lack of understanding of a commercial environment and I don't expect necessarily undergraduates to have that but it's being a bit thoughtful gosh <laughs> thank you very much so suggested uh, I'd, I'll do, I'd, I'll do suggested best practice Go for it. You've got a whole blog post on this that no doubt you'll pop in the show notes in a very handy guide. You busted my cover. Um, so... Well, he did actually ask me for all my top tips and write them up, <laughs> which I thought was really very canny. Did I not credit you? No, you didn't. Did no. I not? Yeah, but what would help you when students are contacting you? Oh, I like your latest post, Stephen. <laughs> Why is my new Apple phone? Oh, oh, I've got a phone call coming through my new Apple Watch. 
Um, I'll have to. Thankfully, it's on silent. We'll just ignore it. It's vibrating. <laughs> How are you finding your new Apple Watch? We could do another podcast about that. I love it. And you know what I love most is that I don't, when I'm out and about, I'm contactable, and obviously I can pretend I'm a super agent, like it's like James Bond, because I can talk into my into my watch. But I can um, do most of the stuff I need to, but I don't feel obliged to check email and Facebook all the time. Right. Mainly because Facebook is, doesn't work on there as an app, but it's, liber- it's liberating. Liberating. Yes. Is but it apart from the fact it cost me a lot and I still need to buy a headset. I was going to say, it. is it worth 450 quid totally. not to have Facebook? Yeah, no, it totally is, yeah. <laughs> Twitter. I'm absolutely loving it. Good. You're quite jealous because you're like, oh no, it's too small, the font, apart from the fact you can get a bigger face and make the font I bigger. I can't see it, but like, honestly. You quite like all the different things. I can't see it, and honestly. Although, the activity thing, you'd be made to stand and walk a little bit more, so maybe you should think about it. <laughs> I'm you on would my... say, Stephen, put the cheese down. <laughs> I'm on my sixth withings uh, you that, that yeah. I've lost. So. Stephen, I'm put not... the biscuit down. Stand <laughs> up. Stephen, do some yoga. No. Um, students, research. Uh, if someone's written about a, a topic, don't cover the same ground. Ask them new stuff. Move the discussion on. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's fascinating. You know. I'm trying to do a summary. Yeah. I know, but still, but they bring something new to the party, or they try to talk to you and say, "Where do you think it's going to go right. next?" That's a whole different ball game because they'll teach you as much as you will share yeah. with them. My one more one pet hate is covering old ground that you've written about before, or is in a book use the original research, um, or um, you get very grumpy at that. <laughs> having to, having to, I. I, I having to sit down and write stuff because you know if you get if you sent 10 time quest- is money if you sent 10 questions and you're going to do a thoughtful response to that that's you know it's mm. an hour and a half to, to do that so i now record on well use, it is if you're use, typing with one finger <laughs> i use i use voice memo on my phone and uh, send a recording Ooh, how newfangled new well it works for me um let's leave it at that eh? yeah excellent give me a tip Stephen. <laughs> you said we we're going to finish off with Yeah, tips. we always should finish with a tip. Yeah. It's a nice way to finish. Um, okay, two things. Book I've read recently. The Book of Joy. Oh, which, yeah. Which You kept quoting me about Desmond Tutu. Sounds a bit... <sighs> sounds a bit cheesy, but actually... It's very worthy, but it, you got a lot from it. It's a conversation. <laughs> Hang on. We start We start this podcast and you say everyone's anxious and worried. Well, yes, exactly. This, maybe we should start buying this and leaving it in places. Oh, it's not a bad idea. Um, but it's a conversation, it conversation between two of the wisest individuals on the planet who spend a lot of time meditating and thinking Outside about Outside of them. you and me. Um, <laughs> it's the Dalai Lama and <laughs> Desmond Tutu. Uh, With a new generation. <laughs> um, a conversation over a week between the two, uh, these two men covering all sorts of aspects of humanity, society and such like I just thought it's an incredible book and um, you should read it I will you should read it I read your blog post on it okay and I will read it it. (laughs) you corrected it yeah correct I did it a few choice uh, spellers the other thing is um, I've just written an article about this for the drum Um, (laughs) a chrome app that's been created by a bunch of activists that monitors the ads that appear on your Facebook page. So during the forthcoming election, through through up until you uh, can map who you're targeted by and in what way. Yeah, and uh, the, this group claims that you know ele- um, advertising expenses have to be reported to the Electoral Commission, 
but it's a hugely grey area because anyone can advertise on on Facebook um, and you know during the Trump campaign there's this whole discussion about targeting by Cambridge Analytica. But there's no regulations of it either um, is it? I don't think it's regulated it's regulated the Electoral Commission report on uh, content and uh, budget um, but you know but it's not tracked though is it so there's nothing well so, so so only the person that creates the ad and the person that sees the ad knows exists exactly so what I'm saying it so it's exist. not because there's no one monitoring no. it so you know, if you created a printed ad or you create a leaflet then there's a very physical tangible copy that exists that's an audit trail um, so yeah uh, that is this group of people created a, um, created this app called uh, Who Targets Me. You can see which political party, well, who's who's pushing content at you. So if you they want to get involved, you, you're you going to share something so you can download a little bit of uh, clever it's, software um, or something. Yeah, it's a, a plugin that sits within Chrome. Or you can fill on an Excel sheet. Yeah, use the plugin, a bit a lot easier. If you use Chrome, the use the plugin. Sheet. Do you? Okay, yeah. you can do an Apart Excel sheet. Apart from the fact I hate Excel. But yeah, in fact, I just won't be doing it. Let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, they've got 3,000 3, people so far. This it launched this week. Peace in the Guardian launched this week, uh, and they've got 3,000 people have downloaded the app from uh, 530 odd constituencies. So Amazing. 650 constituencies. I mean, it's gonna, they're going to need a good spread of uh, demographics to make it work. But I'd urge people to look at that. Look at that, Sarah. Yes, Stephen. Apart from your newfangled watch. What's my top tip? Yeah. Uh, if you get chewing gum in your hair, just cut it. It's not even worth trying to do anything else. That's pretty much it for the day. You've got a book there. You were going to, you know. Oh yeah, I was going to talk about, um, well I wasn't. It was just, we had it here in front of me. But um, if you want another read that's PR related and not about living life the best you can, um, go for Myths of PR by Rich Lee. Because I'm... You know, quoted on the back, which means it's pretty good. Um, but it's it is actually pretty good. Um, I have only one issue with it is that it is very tactically focused. It doesn't talk about the strategic management discipline. That, Look at this, you know, you've, PR and uh, to know. You've yes, thumbed the corners. It. You've turned. I have logged on this. I did my ten best quotes. I'll did have, you? you know that's why it's all turned down and got pencil marks in. But it's really interesting, and actually, it's quite thought provoking. And I know quite a few people have had a bit of a suck their teeth about the um, chapter on um, the gender wage gap and actually taking my CIPR hat off and just coming at it from a very personal viewpoint and from someone who has run agencies with just teams of women yeah, I think he's got an awful lot of points and I'm not going to say no more than that go and read it and uh, have your say what else is in it it's so just it's great it's got all kinds of things in it so it's all full of myths about PR so um, the fact that uh, PR is glamorous which made me lull quite a lot. Um, paying about to get social media benefits, um, the media ignored good news, the press release is dead. It just takes some of the things that you hear all the time and that we probably, we're so used to it, don't pay too much attention to, and then just completely calls them out. It's a really good book for, you know, marketing managers that you're working with, if they're the people that you're answering to and they haven't got a complete handle on PR or you want to teach them a lesson about the value of PR and why you charge what you do, throw one of those at them. Not their head, just their desk. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sarah. Um, you're welcome. We should avoid Fridays for future podcasts. I feel you're a bit jaded. Have you had a tough week? It's 
been a busy week. Busy but I'm week. Not too, oh, do you know what the problem is? What? I've not had a Friday afternoon snifter. <laughs> a little pet me up. <laughs> Will you stop looking at me to say, do you have to keep saying these things? I don't know what to do with it. Anyway, right. wishing everybody send, a lovely day. <laughs> let's end it there. You can go and reach into the fridge and see what you find. Thank you for listening to the Future Proof Podcast with Sarah Hall and Stephen Waddington. You can follow Sarah on Twitter at Hallmeister, that's H-A-L-L-M-E-I-S-T-E-R, and Stephen at Wads, W-A-D-D-S. For more information about Future Proof, visit futureproofingcoms.co.uk. Until next time, see you on the internet.